Today's bulletin brought to you by Your Sound, Your Community, Alive 90.5. National Radio News. Hello, I'm Emily Francis. It's reported that Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has given up on bringing forward planned tax cuts for middle and high income earners as inflation starts to ring alarm bells. From Canberra, Amanda Kopp reports. The federal budget is just two weeks away and, according to reports in the Australian newspaper, the much-touted tax cuts won't be in it. But with government debt racing towards $1 trillion after massive spending during the pandemic and the cost of essentials putting pressure on inflation, it seems the Treasurer has revised plans to bring forward those tax cuts scheduled for financial year 2024 to 2025. Now calls for the government to cut the fuel tax to ease the rising cost of living are growing, with more details set to be revealed on Friday. Amanda Kopp, National Radio News, Canberra. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is talking up the prospect of a breakthrough in the war with Russia, saying peace talks are starting to sound more realistic. However, he says more time is needed for negotiations after Russian airstrikes killed five people in the capital of Kiev. Three million Ukrainians are now considered to be war refugees. NATO Secretary-General Jen Stoltenberg has said a NATO meeting next week will consider efforts to further strengthen the military alliance. US President Joe Biden will apparently travel to Europe next week for the talks. Biden will also attend a scheduled European Council summit where efforts to impose sanctions and further humanitarian efforts are underway. Indigenous groups have raised concerns about a number of companies providing funeral insurance which recently collapsed. It's believed more than 14,500 Indigenous Australians paid the companies millions of dollars to eventually cover funeral expenses. They now have no cover and are unlikely to see their money returned. The Australian Securities Investment Commission is investigating, but some of those affected are calling on the government to step in. A 56-year-old man has died in floodwaters which are sweeping through the far west of New South Wales. Authorities say the man was swept away after his four-wheel drive entered floodwaters near Broken Hill last night. He is the 23rd victim of this year's severe east coast flooding. The SES says telecommunications and internet services went down, causing issues for those who needed to call for help. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has announced Australians can resume regular travel across the ditch from April 13th. New Zealand has held firm on tight border restrictions through the COVID-19 pandemic and has kept its border largely shut for two years. Currently, only Kiwis, regular residents and some critical workers are able to enter New Zealand without quarantining. But Jacinda Ardern says Kiwis are now ready to welcome the world back. Our strong health response, including having the lowest death rate in the OECD over the past two years, is now also an asset. We are a safe place to visit and New Zealand will be ready with open arms. 
Briefly, on the COVID-19 front, New South Wales has recorded over 30,000 new infections in the latest reporting period, up from just over 10,000 yesterday. New South Wales Health says thousands of rapid antigen tests registered between Sunday and Monday were included in today's figures due to a data processing problem. Five people have died in the latest reporting period, three men and two women. National Radio News, produced by Charles Sturt University, the Community Radio Network, and supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. And now for the latest weather on Alive 90.5. It's four minutes past two on Alive 90.5. This is the business of life with Mario and Matt. And today we're sitting at 23 degrees. And Mario, if I got one thing to say, is this what weather? If I had to describe it in one word, bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> Man, That's we, a good one, actually. I like we, it, this one. We get Bipolar. some sun, and then all of a sudden, it's pissing down rain, doesn't Man, stop. I'm going to make sure that we repeat that one, bipolar weather, you know what I mean? But it is something, yeah. But what the weather looks like for the rest of the week? So today, it's tops to 25 degrees. Tomorrow, Thursday, tops to 25 possible showers, and possible showers for Friday, tops of 27 degrees. So and showers. now, on a live 90.5, here's the latest traffic information. It's not looking good, man. <laughs> So, in terms of traffic today out there on the road, it's just been a little bit wet, so make sure you're taking your time when driving. In Arncliffe on the M5 East Motorway at the main tunnel, there's been a car breakdown, one of two westbound lanes closed. In North Parramatta, the James Roof, James Roof Drive off-ramp to Windsor Road, there's been a car breakdown, one of two westbound lanes closed. Mount Cola, M1 Motorway just past Karingai Chase Road, there's been a truck breakdown, one of North one on four northbound lanes closed. In Lansdowne on the Hume Highway at Wood, Woodville Road, it's been a car breakdown. One of five eastbound lanes closed. And there has been a couple ferries out of service in Lower Portland and Sackville. So this bipolar weather is giving us some slippery roads, so make sure you're driving safely. It's six minutes past two on a live 90.5. This is the business of life with Mario and Matt. Mario, how are you today? No, babe, but as you said, this weather, it is bipolar. Honestly, like, this is the <laughs> best saying, Matt. I had such a long time. Look, apart of being humid and, you know, it's, it's a great week so far. We are alive, we are breathing and... Thank God we're not in Ukraine. So, like, my heart goes for all these people there. How was your week? Absolutely. It's been good. It's been good. I've been um, very, like, trying to keep more active trying to like still play basketball quite a yeah. bit and ch- change my schedule around a little bit so it's been an interesting week things are shifting i feel like things are moving forward though in a productive manner which i'm really happy with but today is all about our guest and he's sitting to my left he does he does our guest on the left but before we introduce our guest so you know everybody who didn't know we're going to talk today about labels prison prisoners and rehab with this awesome man. Well, let's go take a short break and then we come back after the break with the introduction of our guest because this bipolar weather, it makes us all sweaty. <laughs> <It's like laughs> <laughs> so let's take a short break. See, be, be sure to stick around. You're going to want to listen to this one. Alive 90.5. Take it. 
to a concert. that paying for a funeral can be a financial burden. However, have you ever thought of paying off a prepaid funeral with none of the ongoing premiums that is associated with funeral insurance? $1,000 can get you started. Hills Family Funerals, a family owned and operated business of 35 years can make it easier for you. Call 02-9659-0900. Ask for Richard Spiteri or speak to one of the friendly staff members to learn how. Get assistance today. Call Hills Family Funerals, station sponsor. Hexagon Home Loans is your trusted mortgage broker. We focus on providing you with personal service and expert advice to help you find the home loan which best suits your requirements. Ranging from first home loans, refinancing, investment home loans, self-employed home loans, debt consolidation and SMSF loans. With a large network of lending institutions at our fingertips, we can assist you in making a well-informed decision that will save you time and money. Call us on 1300 562 649. Australian Credit Licence 504481. Station sponsor. The C word. Cancer. It's different in a young person's world. Luckily, Canteen is here to fill the lives of those aged 12 to 25 with better C-words like connection, compassion, communication and counselling. Canteen gives young people the skills and support to face cancer, whether it's their own or a loved one's. Please visit canteen.org.au to donate and let young people know when cancer comes crashing in, Canteen can help pick up the pieces. 12 minutes past two on a live 90.5. This is the business of life with Mario and Matt. And you're listening to your sound in your community, reaching out to the Hills, Hawkesbury and Parramatta. Mario, Dean is sitting next to me and I'm eager to get into conversation. I don't know about you. Look, we did have a variety of the guests with a different background, different education and everything else, but we never had somebody like a Dean, you know, no question asked reason why I say there's nobody like a Dean because we're going to talk about something most of people see in the movies mm-hmm. and uh, I know when I grow up you know like everybody told me don't end up in prison now the Dean is our guest today uh, for two hours and we're going to talk and cover many topics about life before entering prison during the prison what's happening in prison and why the Dean become criminal consultant um, so who is criminal consultant? Criminal consultant is a person who lived experience of the criminal justice system who acts as a conduit between the world of business and prison. 
So who is Dean? Dean is a therapeutic practitioner with qualification in Gestalt Therapy Diploma and Community Services Facilitator level training in systematic, systemic, sorry, apologies, constellation and keen interest in Murray Bowen Family System Theory. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> and it doesn't matter it sounds fancy, but again, it's related to prison. Dean, welcome today in the studio with Matt and I. Thank you for being our guest. And Dean, for our listeners, who is Dean? Thank you, Mario. Uh, nice to meet you, Matt. Um, Dean is, I like to say I'm a surfer, first and foremost. Hell I'm yes. a father of three. Um, and I am a passionate social justice advocate. I have um, lived experience of the criminal justice system. And as a result of that, um, from the privilege that I have being born into the most privileged, privileged demographic in the world, white and male. Um, subsequently getting out of prison, I realised that there was something wrong. Um, as a lot of my acquaintances and friends circled back and started to circle back quicker and quicker and I just couldn't understand. So um, after having a successful career post-prison as a real estate agent in a family business, um, I decided to put my money where my mouth is and move, move towards, um, you know, I wanted to work in the community sector and I made a conscious decision. Um, I wanted to write a program for people, or men, um, being released from prison off my experience of what it was like being released from prison so that's um, what landed me here and it was only as a result of moving from being a real estate agent into the community sector that I started to face discrimination because of my criminal record mm. to get employment and I was going for jobs and all of that sort of stuff and I, you know, I started out and I lucked into it and I worked for a community housing organisation um, mainly because of my real estate background, but then they needed someone to start the next day and I got the gig. And it sort of went from there. It's been approximately 10 years now that I worked in that area or in the community services sector. And I went on to do, um, you know, what I realised is if I wanted to sustain the work in the area that I um, wanted to do, I would need to get qualifications. So I went on and done a diploma of community services at TAFE and then I went on to study uh, a graduate certificate in counselling in the modality of Gestalt therapy. Wow, okay. <laughs> so I've got a question. What led to that turning point? You served time yep. and then you decided, I don't <clears> just want to... Because you hear so often, Mario, I don't, I don't know about you, but and you as well, Dean, but like people, like when they're in the system, they're just in the system. And it goes and goes and goes, and they they reoffend, reoffend, reoffend. Well, you see, that's a very that's a very valid point. So, like before the answer, they say, I will talk about um, percentage of prisoners returning to prison. Northern Territory sixty point eight, New South Wales forty nine point nine, Tasmania forty seven. Only Australian Capital Territory has a thirty seven percent. It's a percentage of prisoners returning to corrective services. New South Wales, 57%. That's a staggering number. That's high. And yeah. I'm very curious why they're coming back. 
So, from my experience and what I've learned is um, the system is designed to have people return as quick as possible. So you're released. So what happened for me was I was released. I was close to 12 years out of prison. I think at the time, so I was 15 years out of prison at the time and I applied for a role with Corrective Services on the, on the recommendation of somebody um, that was working there and they said, I want you to come and work in this program with me. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Um, so I applied for the role, was successful in, the, in, in getting it disclosed, my criminal history. Uh, I got an email saying that I was successful in the job and then I got a phone call about 15 minutes later saying, oh, sorry, mate, when we put your name in the system, you come up as an unsatisfactory person. What is what is that mean? <laughs> that was that was my exact question. I was like, what does that even mean? Uh, the gentleman was like, that's beyond my pay grade. Here's some phone numbers. Follow it up. So that ended in a three-year battle with Corrective Services at the Human Rights Commission. Oh, to uh, have a so the Human Rights Commission can't make a legal and binding decision. However, they can make a decision in your favour. So they made a decision in my favour that I had been discriminated against because of my criminal record. Um, the only real way they can actually discriminate against you because of your criminal history is if it's directly related to the inherent nature of the work. So if I was arrested for fraud yes. and s stuff like that, um, I could have... They could have said, look, he c he's going to have access to sensitive information... It's no go. Except that, yeah, fair enough. Um, I was it was violent offences and drug offences that I was ultimately arrested for, and then that went that went on to um, you know that it wasn't in even the first person I spoke to said, oh, I don't believe it's in the inherent nature of the work, like your charge. So, yeah, ultimately I had a decision made in my favour against Corrective Services um, that uh, seen them uh, have to change the policies, practices and, the pro, uh, and their website and what was displayed on their website around... Um, at that stage it said that, you know, their role was um, to keep the community safe, which I understand, that's paramount, um, but then the, they would rehabilitate and reintegrate people to become productive members of society. I was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm that guy. <laughs> Not I, that they've done that, but I'm that guy. Mm. Can I read you something from the Department of Education, Skills and Employment? So it's a government website. They say, uh, the majority of employers who have hired a, an ex-offender reported a positive outcome with some saying they're best workers. 78%. So, anybody want to check? It's a dese.gov.au, D-E-S-E-E.gov.au. 78% of employers hiring ex, how to say, prisoner, convict, what, what's the name? People impacted by the criminal justice system, that's how I used to like to correct, yeah. use the words. Offenders, they give the best results to the employer. Isn't that fantastic? Wow. But people, they don't know this because everybody... Did you watch that movie, Catch Me If You Can? Yes. Okay, that's yes, a Frank yes. Abigail true story. Mm. And suddenly becomes the 
consultant for FBI. <laughs> okay. There's a meeting guy who is like a hacker, becomes the consultant. But not many, not, not one in a million of prisoners, of uh, uh, ex-offenders, you know, I mean, offenders actually can say, I work for government, have a good, cushy job now and enjoy that life. Is, is that correct? Um, well, oddly enough, uh, the person that was in charge of the justice, community injustice, uh, when it was labelled that, was uh, Mr. Michael Cooch Trotter, who okay. worked in the building that was directly above the post office where he picked up a kilo of heroin that he had imported. So he was the head of the department for a, a, a stage. However, you know, not unlike me, he was very privileged coming up. I wouldn't say I was I was very privileged, but he, he had a hyphenated last name. <laughs> Not too many people mm. have hyphenated last names. Lovely guy, don't get me wrong. Um, he's, he's a wonderful guy. Um, but And I had, have had had a few meetings with him over the years around uh, programs and designing programs for people to be released. Um, but the illusion that prison gives and what prison's really good at is getting a group of us guys together and 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 men and women um and standing outside and waving our fists and saying you're doing a terrible job so if you turn up at someone's work and tell them how terrible they're doing at work it's really hard to have a conversation moving forward after that and mm. what i've learned from the human rights commission and all of that sort of stuff is um Prison, like I don't need to enter into a conversation with them anymore because um, it's a very rigid and structured and complex political environment. I've never been in a more political environment than when I was working <laughs> at Long Bay running programs. Um, but ultimately what I've worked out is what can I control? I can control people going in so I can improve situations and people's lives you know, so they don't have to go to prison. Um, and then I can look at the recidivism and how do I stop people going back? And that's a big one, I think, for me, is how do we stop people going back? Will we allow them to participate in society? So they've recently made a law in, or legislated in Melbourne, um, that it's legal to discriminate against someone 10 years post prison sentence that's oh yeah man do you know that 25 minutes passed from this interview already jesus let's <laughs> yeah, i think we so. need to take a short break i mean this <laughs> is I, i'll keep talking if you don't yeah, stop me no. guys let's <laughs> just listen to uh, a line 90.5 the uh, business of life with Matthew karana mario beckers and we have a criminal consultant today with us in studio ex uh prisoner the dean lloyd who's going to share with us dark side and why the prisoners can be and they are good workforce. Be sure to stick around because time's going to fly just like it has <laughs> this last 25. You're listening to the sound of a live 90.5.
We are the Insight Intelligence Group, specialising in Australian corporate investigations and information risk management, workplace investigations, competitor analysis, social media intelligence, reputational risk management, internal or external investigations. Professional and proactive, Insight Intelligence Group works with you to ensure the success of the investigation. Australia-wide or global, facts, not opinion. 02882-9837. Insightintelligence.com.au Station sponsor. McGrath Estate Agents understand that selling your home is one of the most important financial decisions you'll ever make. With award-winning teams in the hills, their service goes above and beyond any other to create great results and lifelong relationships to deliver the best possible result. Brett Humby of McGrath Estate Agents will unlock value in your home you never knew existed. To realise more and experience the McGrath Advantage with Brett Humby, head to mcgrath.com.au or search Brett Humby today. Station sponsor. Alive 90.5 Passing every red light I know I'm in over my head A rebel and I don't hide Remember all the words that you said Even if the love was hurting I'll be yours
something new in 2022 with the Parramatta College. Term 1 courses are open for enrolment and include business and work skills, computer skills, leisure and lifestyle, languages. The Parramatta College also offer New South Wales government funded courses. Eligibility criteria applies. Improve your personal and professional development with the Parramatta College. Enroll today. Call 9687 2072. That's 9687 2072. Or visit parramattacollege.edu.au. SE Timbers Castle Hill are flooring experts. Not just flooring, SE Timbers supply, install and guarantee solid timber, engineered, laminate and vinyl flooring as well as carpet blinds and shutters. An authorised dealer of major brands like Borrell, Preference and Quickstep. Call 98946660 or visit setimbers.com.au to arrange a free quote today. Station sponsor, SE Timber Floors and Shutters, ingrained quality. Alive 90.5. Half past two on a live 90.5. This is the business of life with Mario and Matt. And today we're live with Dean Lloyd, who's sitting next to me, who is an ex-prisoner, though he's turned his life around and, and is now a criminal consultant. He helps those out of the... Would you say you help people out of the justice system? Transition out of the justice system. Transition out of the justice system. Okay, just let me define this. Just one. <laughs> when you say, Dean, you help people to transition from justice system you mean like not to be seen as ex-comic so you transition by digging the tunnel from the prison so whatever it's like <laughs> it's not an escape it's um okay. so the long shadow that um a prison sentence had upon me um still today i think it's, oh, it's 21 ish years that i've since i actually committed the offense that i was arrested for and went to prison so it's 20 ish years and still today I can face discrimination around employment. So if I go, say all three of us went for the same job, same qualifications, it was with the government, um, what happens is the records check and processes and bells and whistles that they have to do for me, like they could come back to you and go, okay, here's a week, yep, you've got the job or you're a suitable candidate. Whereas for me, it can be a month of processes of them going. So. You know, who wants to go, you know, I'm not saying that that still happens. Um, however, you know, it can. I'm open to it. And it's like that thing that I just explained about Melbourne. Um, so there was a lot of people, advocates, justice advocates that are similar to me that were advocating for people to not be discriminated against because of their criminal history. Mm. So what happened is they done that. And so for anyone that's had a sentence of 22 or 23 months and under, you can't discriminate against them once they've finished their sentence. Oh. However, I, don't, I wouldn't fall in that category. So because mine was like 48, for the 10 years post-release, you can still discriminate against me around my criminal record, or you could, as well as... It's around police involvement. So the vast majority of people that get a sentence that's 48 months or longer really struggle, which is back to the statistics of recidivism, really struggle to finish a parole term that's two years, let alone 10. (laughs) So these are the barriers and the discrimination that I'm trying to remove and act as that conduit for for business to be able to go, hey, wait a minute, this guy's worth the trouble. 
he's worth and it's not trouble as in trouble at the at the um on the job and with the work it's trouble to mitigate those risks because most insurances like if you don't be honest on your insurance it's void so to encourage these individuals to be honest around their records and what's happened so you don't void your insurance what help. do you mean by insurance? So, um, workplace, work cover, all ah, of those ah, those yeah, insurance. Yeah, yeah. So, if, if for argument's sake, you employed me and I said, oh, no, I don't have a criminal record, then all of a sudden I break my leg on the job, I don't have any insurance. I'm yeah, not but covered but, by okay, I don't public liability and all that sort of stuff. You, you please enlighten me. What your criminal record has to do with a work, workplace injury? No, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not that you injure yourself. It's got nothing in pre- to do with it. So yeah. it increases your premiums and risk because you're employing somebody with a criminal record. Oh, okay. That's yes. what you're talking about. Yes, oh. yes. So the insurance company will say, oh, are you? Imp- how many people have you employed that have a criminal record? And I'm not saying all insurance companies, yeah. but that's, you know, when you go back to the GFC and you look at that and the risk that was involved and the premium increases because uh, real estate agents and valuers uh, <laughs> were lying about the value of certain properties at times or, you know, embellishing the worth of certain things, um, that made us a very risk-averse society. And increase that, you know, and and that threw everyone in around. Okay, what's the risk that your business has for our insurance purposes? Um, you know, similar to the floods now, like the risks of people living in a flood area, the premiums go up. It's it's you know, it's an insurance Matt, thing which I don't really like. Questions, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like it's just like because <laughs> you better be first. Because <laughs> at the core of all of what you're talking about, Dean, it. To me, what's just screaming at me is labels. How we identify things. You know, we have these companies that are hiring ex-cons or whatever you're going to call them, right? Prisoners and all this stuff. And that label in itself is holding a burden on the company, so to speak, and on the individual. Now, you're wearing a T-shirt that says labels are good on jars, not people. (laughs) Hashtag other words. Now, I, I laughed when I first saw this. Although I smiled at the same time because I can recognize the importance of it. What are, what can we do to shift the economy from looking at just labels but now the person for them, for who they are? Yeah, thanks, Matt. That's a, it's, it's, I really appreciate that question. Um, it's around for me, and this is part of what I do, is teaching organizations, business, how to... Um, you know, if we give someone a label, so um, disabled, junkie, criminal, uh, psycho. So what are some other words that we can use? Brother, father, sister, mother. So it's around really getting back to the core of the humanity of things and treating people humanely. Um, you know, I have a real bugbear and I have a lot of friends who are criminologists. However, the language and the framework that they've given to me as somebody that's come out of prison and you guys freely understand and use. So what happens there is people... So this is what happens when you are released from prison. You have to be seen as a risk. Like, it's a given. If you want to get out on parole, they assess you as a risk. That's the current model. So in that is 
what are their criminogenic needs? <laughs> so I can, Explain, see the, please. <laughs> I can see the black looks. Um, people don't have criminogenic needs. We are human and we have the need to be treated humanely. Yeah. Mm. However, criminologists, they have gone and said that, um, you know, criminogenic needs are sort of, okay, he's getting out, he's got no family, he's got, so it increases your risk. It's the same as a insurance company sort of scenario is the higher the risk, um, the less chance you may have of getting out or the more courses or services they will ask you to do. So most people when they are released, if they have high um, criminogenic needs, they must do a, like astronomical amount of programs, which essentially is a full-time job. May I ask you, sorry to interrupt you, Dean, because, no, you know, like, we need to have you another two, three episodes. So <laughs> this is not a topic, you know, talking about prison, it's not a topic you can hear every day on radio. It's either used for the, some type of, you know, sensational titles, you know what I mean, and all these things all fit into the, you know, narrative of some type. You say that there's discrimination. My question is, why society is not prepared to forgive those who've been in prison? Because I truly believe, and I say something from my experience, you know, I, uh, my first touch with the, with, the, with the prisoners was in a war back in my home, Croatia, when I was being assigned, <laughs> they being assigned to us into the, the, the special task group, right? Ex-prisoners, yes, and that's, that's heavy prisoners because there was no manpower, right? So they give them abolition of the sins, right? However, the war stopped, my you're back. Not in a prison, but outcast of our society. Mm. My question is, Dean, very simple. Why society is not prepared to forgive? You know, you say something very interesting. You go on parole, which is for two years, you're deemed as a risk. I can get that one, right? But why society is not prepared to give that second chance? Because I, I can see, this is not a movie. You know, Matt, we, you know, we're watching same movies, <laughs> Dean as well, and all the Hollywood blockbusters. What we're seeing, you know, when they go in prison, like everybody's like an orange, you know, <clears throat> the, mm. the, the suits, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. eating school, gang, bro, this and that, like, you know, but that's not a prison. Prison is not a movie. So, Dean, mm. why the society? is not prepared to forgive people who done yeah I, I, a very comp complex question so i think it comes back to those labels and titles of as a matthew karan asked yes yeah yeah of um you know once a criminal always a criminal um so, as well as there's been a privatization of a commoditization of individuals that got, that need to be in prison. Like there needs to be beds or heads on beds, if you know what I mean, in prison. Um, so, and that's where I get back to that 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 system and how I believe it's designed to get people back as quick as possible, because you know there's a workforce in there that the government has access to. I think, and, and you know, it's very close if it's not exact. Uh, I think it's about $2.65 an hour. So where can you access a workforce that will work for you for that amount of money? There's sweatshops in China. You could well, the Human Rights Commission has deemed it as slave labour. Yeah. Like it's actually... Oh, wow. So actually... prison in Australia is deemed as slave labour. Mm. So, and that's, you know... Um, 
when I was in there, we were making um, furniture. So the government will uh, tender for jobs, big jobs for yeah. furniture companies and all that sort of stuff. Um, one of the ones that I used to like to tell people is if you, you know, they tell you about their first class um, Qantas pajamas. Yeah. Packed by pedophiles. So they're... Come on, seriously. No, no. Come on. <laughs> oh, guys, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Live 90.5, <laughs> the business of life with uh, Matt and Mario, and our guest in studio, Dean Lloyd, the criminal consultant, ex-prisoner, and he talks to us and guides us through the system of being the ex-convict. So please, stay tuned. Alive 90.5. What's on at Workers? Enjoy free live music every Saturday night at Workers Blacktown. Every Saturday night and Sunday afternoon at Workers Sports. And every Sunday afternoon at Workers Hubertus. Plus, enjoy a full range of dining facilities. Visit the website at www.workersclub.com.au for the full music schedule. Plus, plenty of other activities including raffles, bingo, promotions and fun events. Workers is your club. Station sponsor. We are Invictus Partners, an Australian company specialising in checking software usage across the major vendors like SAP, Oracle, IBM, Microsoft and VMware. Are you looking to reduce your software fees? Are you worried about being audited? Are you migrating to the cloud? Do you need help working out your software usage versus entitlements? Contact us at Invictus Partners today before you get hit with a compliance fine. Go to www.invictuspartners.com to arrange a no-obligation discussion to see how we can help you. If you're thinking about joining Australia's growing volunteer community, then get started at govolunteer.com.au. GoVolunteer lists thousands of volunteering opportunities and you can search for positions to suit your interests in your own area. Helping others in their time of need makes volunteering a very rewarding experience. More volunteers are needed by many organisations, so don't think about it any longer. Get started right now and check out govolunteer.com.au. It's a free service from Volunteering Australia. Every Friday night from 9 turns back the clock to remember those classic hits of the 50s. Ring, ring goes the bell. 60s. I and the 70s. The Join Tara McGay as she relives the music of three great decades. Jukebox memories. Some tried to stop it. Rock and roll has got to go. Most of us loved it. Jukebox Drive, every Friday night from 9 on FM 
minutes to three on a live money point five this is the business of life with mario and matt and we're live with dean lloyd the criminal consultant who helps people transition out of the ju- the criminal justice system that's correct so that's mario correct. i love i'm loving this conversation oh me too i'd rather i'd rather say like you know we need to have the <clears throat> dean again but then there's a lot of misconception misinterpretation what the prisons are and I truly believe that majority of the XYZ class, you know, citizens, what's it called, these generations, you know, believe that's a movie. It is not a movie. And I truly believe there is a mental strain on everybody who has been arrested and then put into holding cells and then being interrogated, prosecuted, and then sentenced. Would you mind to share with our listeners what is going to the head the person who has been arrested and then going to the proceedings on the court to be prosecuted and sentenced and the first day in prison how this looks like please mm-hmm. we certainly is not a happy happy feeling no um i was just thinking about my first couple of days in prison it was terrible but um so essentially it was substance abuse i was addicted to heroin at the time um, uh, and you know, uh, addictions res- recognised as a mental health issue. Um, and I think, don't quote me on this, but it sits at around between seventy and eighty percent of people in prison. Um, it's drug related. It's drug related um, issues. So that feeds back into that mental health space of um, you know unwell. So the way that I look at it is people are screaming out for help. Like I was screaming out for help. It it looks really antisocial. The behaviour looks terribly antisocial, which there's no – I'm not even questioning that. However, what happens is when, you know, in essence I'm screaming out for help, someone comes along and punishes me. So I'm arrested. I'm at the lowest point in my life. And someone comes along and slaps me and says, you've done the wrong thing. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even arguing whether I've, you know, I've, I hurt people in, in the, you know, in my actions of crime. Um, so, you know, and traumatise people. So I'm not saying that, you know, uh, I'm not trying to shy away from that, but I don't feel like I needed to be punished what I needed and what I believe the overwhelming majority, I, I feel like everybody in prison needs needs help. Um, and that's the miss that we have with the current punitive model. We have a punitive model that we work within and what happens in the punitive model is the more help I require, the more onerous the conditions become to access that help. Which is ludicrous, really. Like, if you think about it, like, I'm really in great need of help. Um, and what happens is I'm going to make it really hard and you're going to have to jump through 75 hoops to get that help. Whereas, you know, if I am if I put my hand up at the start and go, I need some help, 
it's really like, oh, yeah, he's a therapist, go and see whatever, you know what I mean, as a privileged person, um, you know, whereas, um, you know, when you get into those minorities and lower socioeconomic areas, um, which, you know, something that really astounded me was it's close to 80% of the New South Wales prison population come from four postcodes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but my, my, my question was... Yes, well, sorry. Can you, yeah, can you just go into that episode? So, like, you know, you'll be arrested, you've been placed in, 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 in holding cells, and then you're waiting the sentence, and sentence come. How, what, what is going through the person's mind? You know, well, let's talk serious things, as I said. Yeah. Um, the mental journey. I, I, was at a, I was, you know, when I first went into prison, I was a really low, dark, point in my life um and i remember you know the first couple of nights so it was the millennium right i got arrested on the 28th of december 1999 <laughs> yeah uh so i was in a dry cell and what a dry cell is is it's perspex front so because i'm at risk of suicide because mm. of because of my you know they actually acknowledge that i'm not i'm not well and they need to monitor me 24-7. So there's no privacy. Uh, you got to put your hand up if you want to go to the toilet. Like, you know, I don't, actually, I'm not sure. I think they had toilets in there. But anyway, I was just in a, in a really, really dark place and um, in a lot of pain and really sad and really lonely. And that's, you know, it's not something you can be afforded in prison. Like when you, as soon as your door opens in the morning, you have to have a suit of armor on, otherwise someone's going to come and take what you've got, irrelevant of what it is, because there's always someone that's got less than you in prison, I can guarantee you that. Wow. So they'll be coming for you, and if you don't stand up for yourself and you don't put on that brave face, um, you're going to get stood over and they're going to take your stuff. Matt, what do you think? That must be mentally... Actually, what do you think? They, they can re reform? I could only imagine the type of thoughts that are going through someone's mind when they're in that state where they're about to... I mean, with anything, firstly, you get caught, you get convicted, you're in that holding prison. That, I could imagine the thoughts that are going through someone's mind. It would be just destructive. Given, and to add on top of that, someone with with mental health problems going on, it's only amplified. So I'm just... And uh, yeah, yeah, so please. the other thing is, you know, you could be on medication in the community, like antidepressants, whatever you... However, when you go in to access that medication, it's probably a three or four-week prospect. So you, you're going right. to have to come off that medication. What? Unless, unless you have a doctor that you've been with all of your life, which the vast majority of people that are going in and out of prison don't have yeah, yeah. a family doctor. Yeah, <laughs> um, family. Uh, and, you know, they might have just, you know, essentially what I was doing was self-medicating with heroin, like, you know, to, to feel stable and, or to not feel, which, you know... Mm, it, quite often people do, yeah. Yeah, is a, is a standard thing for people that have poor mental health. And even, you know, I'm even at that stage now where I really loathe calling it mental health because there's nothing mental about it. It's just health. 
Like I really, that's where I want to use those other words and the language and the vernacular is it's not mental because it's the stigma that's just attached to that. People don't even want to own up to that because in prison, if you own up to that, it's a weakness and it's exploited. Your weaknesses are exploited in prison. So, you know, the misconception that you have around... So when you get arrested and the time that you get... It took me eight months to be convicted. I pled guilty at the very, very first instant. It took eight months in court to be able to go, okay, this is your prison sentence. So the first... I got arrested down the south coast somewhere um, and spent three nights in the police cells. I was prescribed methadone, but nobody gave it to me. Oh, So I was, like, hanging out bad. I get to uh, Silverwater. It's New Year's Eve. I'm, like, really, really sick now. Like, I was on a large dose of methadone at the time mm-hmm. with the... Big heroin habit. I was going to say, considering you, yeah. you'd think that'd be given to, to you right away to no. avoid these things. So the, the yeah, if you're in the police cells, you're not getting any methadone, that's for sure. Um, but then I got to um, MWRC, so the reception area, and you know it was obvious how sick I was. I hadn't had a shower in three days. You know it was just it was disgusting. People are like, so you're in a holding cell and there's probably thirty or forty guys. In one cell. When you first arrive yeah, yeah. to MRRC, so before they process you and go, oh, wait a minute, you need to go in that plastic cell or the, the dry cells, they yeah. call them. Um, so before you get to there, you sort of all come from everywhere around the country and they put you in this holding cell. And the vast majority of people in the same situation that I'm in. So really agitated, elevated, don't fucking look at me, you're talking to me scenarios unwell unwell um so yeah then they put me into a cell with another person but had the perspex on the front and um then they come around and gave me a whole heap of valium and then they finally gave me my methadone for the night which was just before new year's eve (laughs) um and i remember the guy that i was in the cell with at the time i wake up the next day and goes i don't know how you were asleep but Last night, this whole place was on fire because it was the millennium. It was yeah, the year, yeah. year 2000. Yeah, wait, okay, you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So die, you know? <laughs> they weren't sure if the dates yeah, were just yeah. going to open and we were all going to run away at that stage. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, uh, so, yeah. And then after that, surprisingly after that, the longer I was in, the more comfortable I'd become and more okay I was with... You know, there was a lot of... In, like, prison is, like, barbaric, this is antiquated, this is it's violent, this and is it's obsolete. This is, this is suicidal. That, that just the, imagine that thing, what <clears throat> Dean says, but, you know, this is something I like to... You have a talk, but we should take the short break because it's at 2.59. Yep. And, uh, Dean, really appreciate your, your honesty and everything else. But before we go, if I may read something, right? Now, top 10 countries... By number of the prisoners. Guess who is in the first place? Who has the most prisoners in prison? What country? America. Of course, plus McDonald's. <laughs> Second, China, <laughs> 1.7 million. Third one, Brazil, 800. Lousy, India, 470,000. Russia, 470. Thailand, 300. Turkey, 291. 
And number eight, Indonesia and Mexico with 200 and Iran 189. Well, I believe that those countries below the United States, they have some different approach to the prisons because the number it doesn't correspond to the number of the populace. So ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Business of Life with Matthew Carana, Mario Beckes and our guest in studio, criminologist and somebody who can help you to understand life better, how lucky and grateful you are. Right, Matt? Absolutely. Absolutely. Stick around, guys. Dean Lloyd live with us in studio. Stick around for the three o'clock segment as well because he's going to stay around with us. It's going to be a great conversation. National Radio News. Good afternoon, I'm Emily Francis. Prime Minister Scott Morrison says claims late Labor Senator Kimberly Kitching had been ostracised by members of her own party are distressing and shouldn't be dismissed. The comments come after the Australian newspaper reported that Senator Kitching was accused of leaking to the Liberals, benched from the party's tactics committee and ostracised by the senior leadership team. The Prime Minister said he could not confirm